Trying to play the one-two on Mata. The little ding touch back for Long John Eats. Could still come. And Long John Eats gets the fourth. And Atlanta 4-0 up on Nashville. Apple TV's call of one of four Atlanta United goals against Nashville SC. The most lopsided loss in club history. 4-0 the final as Nashville SC was riding the high of League's Cup success. They come crashing down at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and league form back in question for this team. This is Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who have covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. But, Tim Sullivan, we've never seen a loss that lopsided. No, and it, uh, gosh, it, the, the scoreline almost flattered Nashville in some ways. Yes. Atlanta was, Atlanta was, uh, was really knocking on the door before they finally found a way through. And yes, Nashville had a chance to open the scoring through a, Honey Mukhtar, you know, strike on the on the uh, counter press a little bit, but um, other than that, it was it was all Atlanta early, and then um, the five stripes were able to just cruise to the finish as well. I'm West Bowling, by the way. Yeah, the the stats. I mean, eleven shots on target for Atlanta, one for Nashville, three point seven two xg to one point one six for the boys in gold. I wonder, Tim. If Hani Mukhtar buries the shot that he buries eight or nine times out of 10 on the giveaway, wide open in the box, does that change things significantly in this game? Or or is this just always going to be Atlanta in top form, doing it, doing Atlanta things like we saw back in 17, 18, 19? Yeah, I, I definitely I don't think the latter. <laughs> I think this Atlanta defense has been among the worst in the league and uh Obviously, they got a lot of confidence uh, early in the match, and then um, the second half was was the uh, the onslaught that we've already discussed. But if Nashville goes ahead early, I think the especially the defensive unit for Atlanta says, "Oh well, this is what it's been like all year," and, and they don't necessarily fold, but I don't think they have quite the fortitude to to come back and and you know they might equalize but i don't know that it's even a win much less you know a 4-1 win at that point uh if nashville had had found that opener so the boys in gold now fall three points behind atlanta in the table nashville currently sitting um not far away from the precipice of that last playoff spot 38 points ninth place chicago 32 and really the story here obviously nashville wants to host a playoff game if it can help it but it really wants to avoid that play in game uh, the eight nine uh, it's not a place we thought we'd be talking about this Nashville team yeah uh, here a, a month and a half two months ago and now a huge week Tim as Nashville goes to Messi in Miami I feel like maybe there's some sort of history between these teams recently I can't really recall and then they uh, host Charlotte most important week of the season so far for this Nashville team yeah is that is the history you're talking about is that the Barcelona a visit from Ronaldinho to the the international FC uh, game way back in the day. Did he do no, that? but yeah, I mean, it is it is important because you're looking at two of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, this Miami team, the way they're playing now, is not still one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference. But, but um, if you're Nashville, you also have to look at them and say uh, it would be very tough for for Miami to catch Nashville in the in the standings either way. But uh, you look at them and say, this is still a team that we have to beat because um, of where they stand in the table and where we stand in the table. If we want to be serious about a home playoff match, if we want to be serious about avoiding that eight, nine game, um, if we want to be serious about the playoffs, again, I don't, it would be really surprising if, if that were to uh, be at, at, at risk later in the year. But nonetheless, 
the only way it gets to be at risk is if you don't start winning a couple games in league play. And um, everyone's going to forget about league's cup play real fast. If Nashville doesn't uh, carry that form over into MLS. Yeah. That's at this point, a nice memory, I think for Nashville SC supporters, except for Elliot Panico's penalty kick. It's a nice memory that tournament, but it's just that it's a memory. And the reality is Nashville's in seventh place and nobody's beaten inter Miami uh, yet. Now, of course, Nashville drew them. Technically a couple teams have done that. A couple teams should have absolutely beaten them looking at you, Dallas. But this is an Inter-Miami team that's that's the real deal at this point, at least. And they're 17 points back in Nashville with two games in hand. But as you mentioned, significant. I think a four-point week is somewhat essential for this team. Not mathematically essential, but I think for getting back yeah. on the right track. You, you need to beat Charlotte at home, no questions. And I think a point at yeah. Miami is pretty dang important to get. Yeah, I think a point at Miami is... You know, when you look at the way that they're playing, you can't fault a team for not getting it, especially when you look at the, the fact that Nashville has not been a good road team this year. Uh, Charlotte, you you need to take three points every time you play them until yes. until other <laughs> until further notice. We'll this let is you a team know. that is yeah. that is very poor. So um, it's it's absolutely uh, a necessary three point week, and um, you know four six. Uh, I think all of a sudden everybody's going to be have a very easy time uh, washing that Atlanta game out of their minds. If that's what happens. So you wash uh, things out of your mind. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, waterboarding kind of does that, I guess a little bit <laughs> art, literal like part it. metaphorical. Uh, one thing that many of you did was wash down your sorrows at ML Rose. Uh, there was a watch party, by the way, this past weekend. Uh, and, uh, they had some, some great stuff going on. Some good cocktails, ML Rose ranch water, jalapeno, which is pineapples, not pine trees, uh, ciento, no ciento. Uh, so sorry, not sorry there. Um, and, uh, they had specials valid from 4 PM to close as, uh, it was the the in the Melrose location of Melrose, the original, the flagship, the uh, the most soccer centric, I guess, at least in terms of location. As uh, Tim, this restaurant continues to center its place in the Nashville soccer world. Yeah, and and you know we talk about it basically every episode of this show, but um, we're we're not only happy that a, a place that we have chosen to partner with is is making those sorts of um, investments in their in their desire to be a soccer place, but but the fact that 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 they aren't the only one out there trying to do it and and we're very happy that they're doing one of the more successful jobs yes but um you know the the overarching message of this show is that we want to we want to spread the word about NSC and of course if ML Rose is, is the place that that is helping us do that um we're extremely ecstatic that not just people in the public, but our listeners are going in and checking out ML Rose. And, um, you know, it always makes us happy to see when, when we get those, uh, when we get those tweets with the pictures of people's food and beer every single, every single week, basically at this stage, it always, uh, brings a smile to my face as only Wes can see, but he can see the big grin. You're smiling. He is smiling. I am. Send us your food picks, save your foot picks, but send us your food picks. Uh, (laughs) don't put your feet on the internet. Please no, please no. We will block you. But food picks, keep it up. Don't care what you order to Melrose. You're going to like it, and uh, we will enjoy seeing it. Uh, stay tuned, by the way, a little bit later in the show. Two burgers new on the menu that you absolutely need to try. So stay tuned. Listen to the ad because it is um, infotainment. We are uh, or an advertorial, I guess. <laughs> we're giving you we're giving you important information that you need to know. But first, let's go to the early shout. I guess we'll just hear another Atlanta goal. There were enough. I guess we'll we'll play a second. And Adamada and Lennon flying beyond him. Instead, go in towards Yakimakis and Silva! Fantastic hit on the volley! And Sean De Silva has his first for 
And that was the opener, courtesy of Apple TV. And uh, I mean, what a goal it was, Tim, as you know, I think we both could say, or at least I'll say, I liked the way Nashville started this match. They started yeah. with some of the um, the the grit, the flair, a little bit of both that, that they showed against uh, against Inter Miami and, and throughout League's Cup. The problem was, of course, that makes you prone to get beat on the counter. And I think that front-footed approach from Nashville, while I will commend it, was part of the reason they were vulnerable and, and part of the reason Atlanta was able to look like the Atlanta that we saw under Tata Martino. Yeah, and I, I think there's definitely something to be said for playing on the front foot. But um, if you're playing on the front foot and you aren't creating a ton of chances, um, usually you will see Gary Smith make the make the uh, tinkering choice to say, okay, okay, if we're not creating a ton of chances, it's not worth it. We want to be strong at the back. That's where we have to kind of put our focus. You saw Atlanta kind of notice that they were going to have some chances, and um, they created a few few non scoring, uh, you know, not I guess non paid off opportunities, but. Uh, when they started, when they started coming, you could again, like we mentioned in the intro, s- kind of sense that they knew what they needed to do to keep it going. Um, if you, you know, if you look at especially the fourth goal, for example, it was it was just a the game is won. This is neither team is really out here playing smart soccer anymore. But um, early in the match, it, you did not get the sense it was going to be a four zero loss for Nashville City to say the least. No, certainly not. The result of it is it's the worst XG against for Nashville this season. Uh, ironically, um, they only had one worse last year, and it was a 1-0 win over LAFC when Joe mm-hmm. Willis almost literally stood on his head. Pretty sure he did at one point. Also saved a penalty in that. 4.5 XG against uh, in that one, the season ender decision day against LAFC. 3.7 uh, for Atlanta United in this one. A dominant performance for uh, for the five stripes against a Nashville team that uh, certainly will rue the missed opportunity to get back into league form, and uh, Gary Smith weighed in after the defeat. Um, to be perfectly honest, I thought it was a very bright start. We, I thought we got on the front foot and 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 warmed to the game quickly um, on a surface that's never easy to play on, and it can certainly have an effect on the way players, um, you know, are able to to affect the game and play. What was very very noticeable was there a vital moment in and around their penalty area, be it, you know, maybe most notably Hanny's miss. Um, you know, striking the ball, the purchase on the ball, the final pass that was overhit and skipped off. It, it, it's an incredibly difficult pitch to try and get to grips with. Hence why it's so tough to come and play a, a very good side here, but that doesn't help anyone at all. Secondly, at the other end of the field, they they looked brighter, sharper, and, and were, you know, in the end, far more clinical than, than we were. And I thought there were a number of players that looked a little bit heavy-legged. Um, maybe that was the result of the run that we've been on in the Cup. Um, but ultimately, they took advantage of their moments, and, and we were nowhere near taking advantage of some of the moments we had so tim it's it's the last thing nashville needed of course heading into um a a two week two match week into miami coming up wednesday what did you learn from that nashville sc final against inter miami that could possibly apply uh, on wednesday night or when it's a final when it's at home versus having to travel down there is it pretty much irrelevant to what nashville needs to do against Messi and company on wednesday 
Yeah, I think we learned from that Nashville game kind of what most Inter-Miami matches against all opposition um, have shown us since, uh, you know, the best player ever joined the team, which is Miami's kind of bad in a lot of ways, but then they also happen to have the best player ever and he can make incredible moments of magic. We saw it again this past weekend. Um, You know, they're going to give up chances to teams that are any good, basically. (laughs) Um, The issue, excuse me, the issue is when you do have the best player ever, he's going to make up for it. um, And they have done a really good job of leaning on people once they get a lead too. And I think part of that is um, the way you're allowed to play possession when you have Messi on your team, when you have Sergio Busquets on your team as well. I also would say that we don't know how this Miami team is going to begin to react when they get tired. Um, Messi and Busquets have, have kind of said, we'll play every game that is needed until, you know, the playoff dream ends or, or is accomplished. But um, you know, this is going to be uh, the the most crowded section of a schedule for any team in the league this year. I'm um, looking at a midweek uh, U.S. Open Cup semifinal last week weekend, midweek again this week. Um, so it is a situation where I think Nashville can can lean on hopefully being a little bit less fatigued than this Miami squad as well. Sam Surridge uh, rendered relatively ineffective against Atlanta after a quiet match as well against um, against Inter Miami in the final. Anything, I mean, strikers aren't going to score every game, no problem. Anything you're, you're seeing from what he's doing away from the ball or on the ball that, that gives you any concern or still just adjusting to this team? Yeah, I, I don't even necessarily know that it's just adjusting to this team. It's probably more what you said first, which is a striker's just not going to score every game. It's not going to be perfect. Not necessarily even going to create a ton of chances every game. Like Nashville SC fans can probably be a little bit used to that from on the CJ Sapong era as it as it wound to a close here in Nashville that kind of became a theme and I think that um Surridge is is a player who is not going to let that persist for a long term. 15 touches for Surridge in the defeat against Atlanta and here is him here he is not here is him that's terrible syntax here he <laughs> is weighing in on the challenge ahead as, as he makes his first trip to face Messi and first trip to take on Inter Miami on the road. I think uh, definitely we can take a lot of confidence from the second half against them. I think first half was a bit, um, yeah, we just uh, we probably weren't ourselves in a way, but we still caused them problems. And then the second half, I think there was only going to be one winner. Um, if there was more time played, I think we definitely would have went on to win it. But yeah, it was uh, it was um, it was definitely one of them where I felt like we deserved to win and yeah obviously we didn't but I think yeah that gives us confidence going into Wednesday. I think on the field it's uh, me and Hanny have formed a good relationship I think I like obviously Schaff, Faffa when they play up there as well um, yeah especially in the League Cup games I think that was good for myself to kind of get into a relationship with them and build going into the league obviously Saturday was a, it was a hard one but I think going forward yeah we're definitely confident that we can form good relationships up there so um yeah, that's a positive. And uh, off the field, I haven't had time to do too much with everyone. Everyone's been really nice. Uh, I've got Lawrence, who's uh, who's from Bolton. So he's a lad that's been taking me to training. He's a nice lad. Um, but yeah, everyone seems to be really, really good. And they've um, they've welcomed me in. And it's, uh, it's, it's not easy moving countries, but I think everyone's been really, uh, yeah, really good. So Surge weighs in there, and now you guys have weighed in with a lot of excellent mailbag questions. Uh, just a, a look behind the scenes here. We usually slot this out in order, uh, in some sort of sequence, so that we can answer them in some sort of logical order. Not tonight. So we're just going to go <laughs> with the order in which either you sent them or I see them. And because the Twitter algorithm is all screwed up, thanks to TweetDeck 
being pretty much gone now. Uh, we'll just see what happens there. Uh, and we'll start with uh, Nashville SC stats. Uh, do you think the Saudi bid has anything to do with Hani's slump, either because he's playing for an NSC pay raise or pushing and pushing too hard, or he wants a move and is frustrated he can't get it? Personally, he says, I think it's the former if it's related to the bid. No, no correlation whatsoever. We do, we can't put ourselves inside the head of Hani Mukhtar, except that he is expressed. Maybe you can't. I mean, you, if you have that power, then go ahead, <laughs> weigh in. What, what is he, what's he eating right now? What's he thinking right now? Go ahead and teleport yourself into his brain. Yeah. I think just, I, I don't think that anything having to do with any bids outside of Nashville have any impact on the way he's playing right now. He's been a professional, uh, you know, from game one. Uh, and he's a guy who's been very open that he's happy in Nashville. I don't think, uh, you know, the, the presence of other offers is really going to affect the way he plays. We've seen this guy go through hot and cold streaks, and unfortunately, the hot streaks tend to be a lot longer and more productive than the cold streaks are um, in their unproductivity. So I wouldn't worry about it at this stage. At least that wouldn't I wouldn't say that would be a causal factor for it. No, and if he hits one ball five feet lower down in scores against Brad Guzan, we're all saying, honey, he slumps over. He's right back at it. And of course, the yeah. truth is somewhere in between. Uh, I, I, I think the problem with honey First of all, it's a league slump, not an actual slump. And I can't yeah. believe he just switches on and off, you know, it, when when he goes into cut play versus league play. Still managed three He's shots. Got that cut play mentality. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's feelings ball, isn't it? Um, three shots, couldn't land one on target. But I mean, you look at, at this quote unquote slump and where he's, you know, been been less effective in front of goal and you still have some really strong performances, very active. He takes five shots at home against Philly, five against Cincinnati. Still a focal point of the attack. Still making good plays. And even if he wasn't, I, I don't think that he's just dying to go play in the desert. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> it would be a great pay. I'm sure it'd be a great, yeah. great paycheck. But I mean, newlywed, married to it, somebody he met here in Nashville. He's a hero in this town. He can be for a long time. I don't think it has anything to do. And, and you know what? If he was motivated and had a chip on his shoulder because he didn't get a sale to Saudi Arabia, if anything, I think it motivates him to play yeah. better, if better is even possible for Hani Mukhtar from what he's done before. Uh, he's that kind of competitor. Um, the fact that he did not get MVP in 2021, Gary Smith told me last year, he told us publicly too, that Hani was, quote, obsessed with winning MVP in 22, and he did it. So when Hani's mm -hmm. driven and angry, he usually performs better, not worse. Um, Aaron, if you haven't recorded yet, hey, Aaron, we haven't or we hadn't. Congrats. Good job. <laughs> uh, does Nashville earn a record amount of points this season? 54, the current record. Uh, so let's uh, level set. Nashville, 38 points right now with nine matches to go. So setting the record would mean 17 points in nine games. Better than two points per game with some tough road matches coming up. I don't think they do it, Tim. I, going into the season, I thought Nashville would have gotten that done few games in i would have thought that yeah. but they have five home games left even if they won all of those home games they'd have to still get some road results and i don't think they're going to sweep against teams like new england orlando um, new york red bulls at home they've never beaten red bulls i don't think it happens this year i think 51 52 53 a reasonable expectation though yeah i think at this stage um especially looking at the last couple games before the league's cup break and then this first one coming back from it uh kind of reduced any chances of that they did not render it impossible but i i would say at this point it would take you know i mean you you said exactly what it would take 17 17 points in nine games it would take something that's um i don't think that this team is going to be focused on that if if that point mark is the difference between like fourth and fifth in, in a home game maybe they'll focus on it then but i don't think they're worried about a record right now and i don't think that that 
um, that benchmark is going to be something that that comes into play by the end of the year. They may not be worried about a record. They they should be focused on getting to a place where they can get that top four. 53 points last year is what earned fourth place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, in the West, just frame of reference, 50 did it. So you, you currently currently uh, three teams tied in, in second place with 43 points. They have different tiebreakers, uh, Philadelphia, New England and Orlando. Um, I guess if you if you beat Orlando, you start to change some of the narrative about mm-hmm. uh, about where you can finish in the table. And then maybe that point record becomes a, a relevant topic again. But Nashville still has to go to second place, Philadelphia, host third place, New England. Uh, host Orlando, go to Columbus, who's in fifth. The, the schedule's not working out yeah. in, in Nashville's favor. I, I think, you know, at this point, my projection not a not Nashville's goal, but my projection is somewhere between fifty one and fifty three, which is right on the line of fourth and fifth place. Yeah. Uh, if you can pip fourth place and do that, I think you're pretty happy at this point. You're not thrilled though, because Nashville's going to look back at this dip for a long time as a really disappointing stretch of the season. They hope to end it soon. Um, Stukes, it's not really a question as much as a statement in meme form. It makes me sad that it's this accurate because podcasting is not a visual medium. I will describe the meme, which ruins the meme <laughs> by definition. There is some sort of um, husky mix face on top of a very jacked, clearly bodybuilding, might even be a bear and not a dog. Have, are you and not familiar with this meme? Okay. It's a pretty common. Uh, I'm not cool, Tim. I'm not cool. <laughs> and I thought maybe you joined me in the camp of not being cool because our kids are similar ages. And then you even have another one that I don't, but apparently I'm still not as cool as you this <laughs> morning. Okay. For those who are also not cool. So there's that. And that, that very strong dog, bear, bear dog, dinosaur situation. It says NSC and leagues cup. And then there's a hunched over very sad dog. And it says NSC and MLS regular season. I don't have anything to add to that. I'm not going to try to turn that into an intelligent talking point. Stukes, we feel you, buddy. No, um, yeah, it's it. It was a. Uh, it was probably more of a mirage to see the the strong uh, corgi than <laughs> than the uh, the reality is. Right now, at least, is a little bit closer to the sad one. Yeah, it is. It's it's kind of like the queen's corgis right now. A little bit sad. <laughs> um, Finn Breland, two-parter. Uh, is McNaughton now the preferred starter over Mayer when everyone is healthy, or does Jack get his job back when he knocks the rest off post-injury? And number two, if the above competition is close, do we see more five-at-the-back formations, especially in road games coming up? To two, I say no. I think Nashville yeah, still only goes five-at-the-back unless they're if they are matching another team's formation. Um, I don't think they do it just to do it. But, Tim, I, I'll yeah. defer to you on McNaughton versus Jack Mayer. No, I, I, I concur with you Um on the latter question um, also because having three good center backs does not mean you want to play them all at the same time, but that's why you have depth is so that you can rotate guys a little bit um, at this stage. It does kind of seem like, you know, maybe it's a, a health related preference, but it does seem like there's at least some form of preference um, for McNaughton um, when, when um, you know, the final couple games of leagues cup and when he and Zimmerman, um, we're starting together. It went really well. Uh, it was not perfect, but it went really well. I think Mayer is is getting to a stage where he's going to be uh, maybe a little bit more of of an every game player coming up as he does knock that rust off. My personal take is that I would have Mayer ahead. I think in terms of long term continuity, it makes more sense to have Mayer a little bit ahead. Mm-hmm. But McNaughton has done such a good job making it close enough that it's not an obvious answer. And that's that's to his credit. And it, again, it, it just provides Nashville more depth. And that's what championship teams need. And, and this team is uh, it's trying to fight back to being in that conversation a little bit. I, I agree with every single thing you just said. 
we totally embrace consensus on that. I think McNaughton started his tenure at Nashville SC showing the physical promise and just a little bit of lack of chemistry. And that chemistry is really developed in a, in a mm-hmm. strong way. And there've been a couple unfortunate moments, but he's, he's been excellent. Jack Mayer's had some unfortunate moments too. And I think, you know, every time when I talk to Gary Smith and I try to praise Jack Mayer, Gary tempers my comments. And I don't think it's because he's low on Jack Mayer. The opposite, I think. I think he knows what Mayer can do and wants him to live up to that potential. And we've seen so many times he has. My exact question for Gary, by the way, was, do you think that maybe if MLS took the names away, that Mayer would have been the all-star instead of Walker, given the stats and given the impact on the team? And So this is unfair because neither of them, neither of them has Ken hair from the Barbie movie. So... (laughs) I mean, <laughs> Mac McNaughton's got that. He's first team, yeah. first team all Ken here in the league. Uh, he and I think Jack Lesnis also. Um, I just I feel like you know, there, there's a message being sent to Mayor a little bit too. And, yeah. and look, he's, he's also coming off injuries, knocking off the rust. All that's totally fair. All that to say, I think long term, he has a huge role to play, not just in this yeah. team, but possibly in the in the near future of this club. Yeah, and, and going to what you just said, there's a there's like an adage among mostly football coaches. It probably applies in soccer as well. I don't have as broad a, an experience with soccer coaches, but you you coach your your highest potential players, your best players harder. You're harder on them than you are on some of your guys that that um, you know kind of need to come along um, because because they need every, they kind of need every advantage because you can get more out of a guy like for example Mayer in this example saying. <laughs> Nothing's going to be handed to you. You are going to have to live up to your potential if you want to play. And I think there could be a small element of that. But again, yeah. I would say, I would say, you know, a fully healthy mayor, a fully healthy uh, Walker Zimmerman, and you're seeing those two guys more often than not. But McNaughton has made himself a, a viable third piece where he can obviously rotate in for either of them as he has over the past few games. He's been exactly what Nashville wanted Nick De- Depew to be. And you hate it for Depew, but what a move by Mike Jacobs, basically just picking apart the the scrap pieces, which ended up being great scrap pieces from Toronto's whatever mm-hmm. Toronto is. Hello, John Herdman, October 1st. And 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 capitalizing twice, Schaffelberg and, and now McNaughton. Uh, speaking of roster moves, this one less favorable light from Tracy Edwards. He says, Miami starting all three of their new U-22 mids and having one score in their win against uh, in I, I'm sorry, New York Red Bulls uh, just shines a light on Nashville's lack of the same for me. We sure could use a creative ball progressing mid to come in, prepare to take over for Dax. In my opinion, what's up with this? Yes, Tracy, I, the second part. Yes, that's the there needs to be a succession plan for Dax McCarty and Anamal Godoy. Sean Davis is part of that. There's more. I still don't think a U22 mid is part of what that strategy will be for Nashville. Um, Miami has made itself a destination for young players who's not going to want to come play with that group even before Messi. You get to be in Miami in a place that's very attractive to a lot of players from Central and South America and all over the globe. So that youth development strategy and that U22 strategy, Tim, has been foundational to what Miami's doing. We've seen them pay for that at times as well. I don't think that Nashville's lack of doing that shows a lack of ambition. I think it shows they'd rather find proven quantities who can come in and take over for Dax. Mm-hmm. We might see a signing yeah. right away in the offseason that's going to come in and be an inheritor for Dax that could be MLS ready and start every match next year. Yeah, we brought up the or somebody in the mailbag brought up the U22 question a couple of weeks ago, too. And am I going to give a different version of, of the same answer, which is uh, U22 initiative signings have largely not worked out uh, and um, Nashville 
doesn't want to spend the money for non-guaranteed things when they feel like they can get a similar level of performance, maybe a, a higher level of, of guarantee, but a lower level of ceiling with guys that are already in the league with players from the super draft. I, I think if you look at Jack Mayer, for example, um, he's probably not U22 eligible anymore, but as an example, if he were, you wouldn't say, oh, we need to go sign a U22 center back from Argentina because that that is what we want to do and pay him, you know, over over the uh, salary maximum, but but only get counted against our cap for 250K. It's a situation where there's a risk for the U22 initiative signings that that no club has really figured out. Um, Miami is, um, you know, some mix between juicing the rules and, and taking advantage <laughs> of having the best player ever as a selling point to their team to have some production out of those guys. But I think when you look around the league, when you look at um, what has happened for Nashville's uh, lone U22 signing, uh, if I recall correctly, I don't think there's been another one since Rodrigo Pinheiro. There's a huge risk there. And and until this club is a little bit more um, built out and, and frankly is is perhaps not quite as, as reliant on, for example, guys like Dax McCarty, who are still outstanding players, but are not going to be um, playing in this league in five years. They need to kind of have a, a broader blend of age ranges before they can take some of those swings because if you take a swing on a dax replacement and it doesn't work out and then dax retires in two years all of a sudden you're back to square one they would much rather have a guy with a higher floor a little bit more of a guarantee all of that i would love to see a u22 come in as part of the mix as long as expectations are appropriately set and again i think the club did that okay and you mentioned that in your answer about panero a couple weeks ago but i think supporters saw hey dp DP, DP, yeah, U22 DP, it's very different. And they saw a couple of highlights where he was undeniably talented. I'd love to see a U22 as part of the mix, but you got to diversify your stocks, right? And uh, in Miami's case, they've got some blue chip stocks, and so they can take some chances on some growth stocks. Went full financial analyst here, I guess. And yeah. Nashville's going to go with the reliable. Goldman Sachs over yeah. here. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. Uh, but by the way, I wish there was a defensive lineman with the last name Goldman. So the broadcaster every time Goldman Sachs college football podcast. Uh, I, there was, I think- there was a recruit uh, out of Charlotte high school in Michigan a few years back who was an offensive lineman, not unfortunately a defensive end, but his name was chase Deback. would have been <laughs> such a perfect defensive end. Continue. Sorry. Almost as good as the kicker. His last name was blew it a few years ago. Yeah. Um, Cause of course, you know, that's going to end his career. Uh, so I think we've officially answered that on to college football then yes on to college football <laughs> you heard me correctly we started with it we're going to keep going Harrison Hall he says he made I made the trip to Atlanta I took a huge group of local friends I was the only one who cared about the result of the match only to see the boys in gold put up a big old stinker so Harrison lost face in front of his buddies and we're sorry I've been there I feel you to that end he says what's the biggest disappointment you've had on an away trip any team you support do you have anything that immediately comes to mind or do you want me to um to sit on the therapy couch for a minute. You know, I can I can come up with one that's pretty easy. There might be there might be ones that that are a little more um crushing in a different way, but 2006 Michigan Ohio State game, um top two teams mm. in the country. Mm. Uh Michigan loses on a, a still questionable call uh in the fourth quarter, a personal foul against Sean Crable on the sidelines uh that uh that really gave the Buckeyes a chance to have their teeth kicked in by Florida. Uh I will not be uh addressing what michigan did against usc uh in that same in that same bowl season (laughs) but um yeah 
uh, I've been to a number of Michigan games at Ohio Stadium, and uh, that was the first one that I went in with oh. any realistic expectations, and it was uh, it was kind of crappy the way it turned out. When you do, when you're on the road at a rival, and there's controversial laws, and and you just want to get back to the car without punching somebody, and you're not even a violent person, it's just it's just the darkest feel. Winning on the road, there's nothing better. Losing on the road, there's nothing worse. Uh, unless there's an ML Rose in your vicinity, in which case you're on the road in Nashville. I don't know how that works for <laughs> you guys. But for me, it was 2001, Tennessee, LSU. Um, I made a huge mistake. So Tennessee had beaten Florida in a hurricane postponed. No, I'm sorry. It was it was a hurricane or a 9-11 postponed game. It was 9-11. So postponed the end of 2001. And it was basically the SEC East Championship, number two versus number four. Tennessee beat Florida 34-32 in the Swamp. I was not at that game. No, I chose to go to the SEC title game the next week in Atlanta against LSU. So not a pure road game. Um, LSU's quarterback, Rohan Davey, elite quarterback, gets knocked out in the first half. Uh, Running back gets knocked out in the first half, too. Tennessee's up at halftime. 17-7, 17-7, and then Matt Mock comes in, and he looks like the least threatening. He's, he's like the Jacob Schaffelberg of college quarterbacks, kind of. <laughs> like, this guy's not going to do anything. And it was exactly like Jacob Schaffelberg. Oh, he's running all over the place, and there's no plan for this guy because nobody thought he'd be in. LSU comes back and wins. The mistake I made was we literally had roses between our teeth walking through the pregame tailgate. We had tickets to the Rose Bowl national title game where Tennessee would have been absolutely rocked by that 0-1 Miami team, but we would have made it. <laughs> I would have gotten to go to the Rose Bowl and watch a title game there and uh, lose to LSU. By the way, that Nick Saban was the, was the coach, and that was my second moment of hating Nick Saban, who, by the way, Tennessee had dominated earlier that season at Neyland Stadium. So that's mine heartbreak. And I'll tell on my brother here, uh, again, he's on local radio. He's Nashville Nashville play-by-play guy. In that moment, he was like four years old. He was at the game with us, and he sobbed right alongside me as we walked out. It was a tough night. <laughs> Poor guy. It was bad. There was a lot of crying that night. He wasn't the only one. A uh, couple more quick ones before we get out of here. Uncle Mad, was it just me, or did Joe Willis look his age for the first time? Timmy, he's put in some tough situations, I think. Yeah. I, I don't know that I'm too critical of Willis in this one. Yeah, I don't think any anything was really his fault. Um, you know, Maybe if he's on completely on his game, he makes – one more save or something, but it was the defense getting torn apart or, or just wonderful strikes from Atlanta. Yeah. Agreed. And I think game state was really the culprit here. And we'll get to the last question from Logan Elliott. What possible reasons do you give for the uncharacteristic blowout in Atlanta and how can the boys in gold avoid a similar hiccup against Miami on Wednesday? I don't know that the two games are going to be comparable. I think the problem here again was that Nashville was on the front foot, very aggressive and paid for it on a gorgeous counterattack. My gosh, the ball from Almada and, and the touch by the striker who scored the goal. I mean, it was just a sublime play. And once Nashville was chasing the game, they had to put numbers forward, and that's exactly where Atlanta wanted Nashville to be. The game plan typically in Atlanta for Gary Smith is, look, let Atlanta be expansive. Let them have the ball in mm-hmm. non-dangerous positions. Well, once the ball the score goes 1-0, game state means that plans out the window. Everything changes And I think that was the culprit. So to answer the second part of Logan's question then about how the boys in gold can avoid a similar hiccup of Saturday against Miami on Wednesday, I think it's, number one, don't go down early against Lionel Messi. (laughs) That's nice. But I think... Don't lose composure. That's, don't, yeah. Because it was, it was done after that. I think that's, that's the challenge, right? Is, is keeping game state manageable for yourselves. Survive the first 15 or 20 minutes and possess a little bit do what you did in leaks cup possess a little bit get confident but don't try to score right away 
try to score, yeah. of course. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah, try to but score with literally like you, every kick. <laughs> but don't feel like you have to get on the board yeah. right away. Be patient and play yourselves into the game instead of barnstorming a team on the road and then finding them just right down your throats. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said for Nashville going down one nothing to Miami and not losing their composure and coming back and, and earning the draw in, in full time. Unfortunately, the penalty kick went the way it did, but the, the confidence that you get from knowing that you've come back against this team that does happen to have the best player ever <laughs> is something that I think helps you realize that a game is not over because you go down 1-0. How many points does Nashville get this week between the two games? Four. I'll say three. I think they lose in Miami. I think they win against Charlotte. I think you're probably more likely to be right than I am. <laughs> I'm recording that. I'm playing it well, back well, to we you. Gotta, we got to switch. We, gotta, we can't embrace too much consensus around here. <laughs> nope. All right. Two menu items and a, and a quick word of thanks to a listener. What do you want to do first? Menu items or uh, thanks to a listener? Let's do the menu items. I'm, I'm, right. I've been intrigued by this since you teased the, it in the, the previous. The jam burger and the truffle shuffle. So a couple bits of wordplay there from ML Rose. Both, of course, made with Porter Row beef. I want to. I want you to tell me which one you're going to try first, and I'll try the other one. Then we can switch halves of burgers, I guess, and try them both. Truffle <laughs> shuffle, juicy patty. I mean, that goes without saying. ML Rose, come on, they're all juicy. Topped with Swiss cheese, mushrooms, and truffle aioli. Or the jam burger, two smash patties, smoked cheddar, bacon, sweet red pepper jam, crispy onions, and a hint, a hint of barbecue. Truffle shuffle or jam burger? Where are you going first? I'm I'm gonna surprise myself here because when you just gave the titles, I was I was much more of a truffle shuffle guy, but the jam burger sounds uh, delectable. Yeah, sounds good, doesn't it? So truffle shuffle, I think, is gonna go well with like a uh, New England style IPA, maybe made locally that we can't name because they're not a sponsor, but we're gonna keep mm-hmm. on asking them to be our sponsor. Whereas I think the jam burger goes with more of like either a dark or a light lager, nothing, nothing fruity, but no, no, nothing hoppy either. Like a light lager or a stout, I think mm. with the jam burger. Yeah. You, you get a little Oktoberfest maybe. Oh, and, uh, that would enjoy work. Enjoy your the, day. The pumpkin beer is already apparently out. I had, one with whipped, <laughs> I had one with whipped cream on it in Salt Lake City last weekend. Whipped cream on a pumpkin beer. I mean, I'm not going to turn down some whipped cream, but it was a little weird. Yes, it does sound very weird. <laughs> was speechless there for a couple seconds. I know he feels that way. He's really speechless, neither am I. Uh, quick user shout, go to Melrose, 8th Avenue, Capitol View, West Nashville, Mount Juliet, soon to be next year in East Nashville as well. Uh, Jeff M with a five-star review. So we're going to read that before we head out of here. He says, Wes and Tim provide exceptional coverage that helps keep me connected to the club despite not living as close to Geodis Park as I'd like. And... Here's the connection to what we just talked about. The ML Rose talk always leaves me craving a burger and beer. Thanks, gents. Look, I'm all about some strategic alignment uh, with this podcast. Our people like soccer. They like beer. They like burgers and they like banter. Um, Beer, burgers, and banter, the big three, Tim. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, it's always a situation where uh, when we can coin a new catchphrase at the very end of the show, we got to take that opportunity. (laughs) I think just to get people to listen to the show instead of just thinking about that Atlanta loss, that might just be the name of the episode. Let's make the title Beer Burgers and Banter and people have to tune into that, right? That's how we expand the audience. Uh, Thanks for the rating, uh, Jeff. Again, if you give us a five-star rating and uh, comment on Apple Podcasts, then we will read it right here on the show. Any final thoughts, Tim, before Nashville starts its two-match week? Yeah, I just want to you know quickly say we talked about this when the the slump was ongoing in league play before, and um, it it sucks when a team that you support is not doing well, but it's not the end of the world. Um, I think we've seen the the level of this team, and I think fans are going to be pleasantly surprised with how they close the season. I don't think it ends with fifty four points, but I think fans are going to be pleasantly surprised with how they bounce back. 
Uh, content recommendation real fast. Nashville Banner video interviews that also are transcribed with every at-large city council candidate. Uh, we encourage you to do your research and then vote. If you're not going to do your research, don't vote. It's kind of my thought. Use your Exercise your right by researching. I don't care who you vote for, but great resources. Steve Cavendish, Dimitri Kaladimos, and crew Nashville Banner. I swear they don't pay me for these repeated uh, content recommendations, but uh, all eight remaining candidates with some great interviews. Thanks to Moon Taxi for the music, ML Rose for the burgers, 440 Sports for the microphone. We will talk to you soon.